I have continued to ponder a couple of scripture verses that I read to you on New Year's morning, New Year's Day. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, 26 through 27, Message Bible, everything the Godhead does is designed to bring out the best in us. This year, we know that promise is sure. He is going to bring out the best in his kingdom ecclesias, and he's going to bring out the best in the heirs in you and I. Also, I've continued to think about Luke 1, that says, Our great God pulls victories out of the mud. We live in a very muddied time. America is muddy. And I believe that God is about to pull victories out of the mud. Anybody here today heard about any files being uncovered? I mean, like in a closet or I mean, maybe a garage? Heard about any lies being uncovered? Heard about any strings being burned, connections being burned? Heard of any screams from any handlers? Handlers today uh, are, are panicking. How about the puppets that dance to Baal? Pinocchio. I'm telling you, God knows what he's doing. Just because it doesn't have, America especially, we, we prophesy that we want it. If it's not done by next Sunday, what happened? No. No, we keep, we keep tending it and believing God, but he's doing it. What we planted and sowed prophetically, it's coming to pass. And the puppets are no longer going to dance to Baal. That's what God said. And dominoes, if they haven't fallen yet, they're sure shaking. The avalanche is coming. God said, I'm going to take what they've been covering up and it will, their cover up will, I will make it their burial shroud. So he's going to begin to pull victories out of the mud. But I also believe this year will be a year when the heirs, the sons and the daughters of God, see him provide great victories that are also being uh, released, cultivated, and growing into our times. He's going to be pulling victories out of the mud for his sons and daughters. Perhaps some of you have been in muddy times a complicated or shapeless dark time. This is a season when God's going to pull you out of the mud. Since New Year's Day, I've been thinking about the greatness of God and His ability to change things. And I begin to think about the great power of our God to shape seemingly hopeless times. Hopeless situation, hopeless looking things. And I begin to think about his magnificent creative abilities and what he pulled from a mud ball in the very beginning in the Genesis account. There are times when, when we've just got to take the time to meditate on who our father really is. I mean, really who he is. Because doing so gives you great hope and it gives you great confidence. I mean, when somebody tells you they're going to do something for you, oftentimes we begin to think whether or not they can do that or not. Well, in God's case, we know he can. And I've found myself doing that these past couple of weeks and, and coming to, of course, that conclusion. He can do what he said. Also off and on, and this has been a bit unusual, because, but I know it's the prompting of the Holy Spirit, but also off and on, I've found myself singing the familiar song, How Great Thou Art. And 
it was like it was prophesying to me. I mean, that's the sense I had when it came up over and over. And it's happened many, many times the last couple of weeks. And it was, it was like I had the sense of this is a prophecy. It was like it was prophesying into this particular year. It was like this is a prophetic song for a new year. And it was filling me with, it was filling my being with this awesome God fact. How great thou art. Then sings my soul, we know it, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. And Holy Spirit gave me an awareness that there's something about God's greatness that he is going to reveal on planet earth this year. It's going to happen corporately with the ecclesia and it's going to happen for the heirs. I believe it has something to do with the merger that he has prophesied of the kingdom of heaven merging with Christ's kingdom on the earth. And out of that magnificent greatness of who he is is going to be seen. Let's read a few verses. Genesis chapter 1 describes what God can do with a muddy mess. Genesis 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the water. It was described as a void, an empty place. Message Bible reads, first this, God created the heaven and the earth, all you see, all you don't see. Earth was a soup of nothingness. What a description. Earth was a, a, a soup, or it was a bowl of nothingness. Ever set down to a bowl of nothingness soup in your life? A bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. God's spirit brooded like a bird above the watery abyss. He brooded, Holy Spirit brooded or incubated to bring forth. Like a, like a hen over eggs, he was, he was incubating, brooding to bring forth, to birth something new. Amplified Bible reads, in the beginning God prepared, formed, fashioned, and created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and an empty waste, and darkness was upon the face of the great deep. But the Spirit of God was moving, hovering, brooding over the face of the waters. His presence and His power was hovering to change things. Listen to the voice translation. In the beginning, God created everything, the heavens above, the earth below. Here's what happened. At first, the earth lacked shape and was totally empty. And a dark fog draped over the deep while God's spirit, his spirit wind hovered over the surface of the empty waters. Ever felt like you were draped in a dark fog? or an empty, a bottomless emptiness. But then, then, there was the voice of God. Let there be light. And light flashed into being. And God saw that the light was beautiful and good, and, and he separated the light from the darkness. God named the light day, and the darkness night, evening gave way to morning. And that was day one. What a line. Evening gave way to morning. Darkness gave way to a new day. That's this year. That's the, the times we are now in a season that Father is providing for the church and for the heirs. Dark times are giving way to new times. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 describe our great God in His awesome creative abilities. The creation of the universe, the creation of the heavens and the earth. It's just incredible to ponder. Such skill, such wisdom, 
such knowledge, such impeccable calculations, the understanding of complex molecular structures is amazing. The joining of matter to climate conditions and what happens when, when the temperatures, when certain temperatures occur. The distance needed between the sun, the moon, the stars, calculated with a brilliance that to this day we can't really, we can't really fathom it, calculated to the absolute nth degree. Indeed, creation itself declares the glory of God. The precision at which the universe runs is also absolutely uh, amazing to ponder. It, it runs, it, the precision of the universe is absolutely perfect. And it points us to to a God whose magnificence is indescribable. I mean, there is no, there is no variance. There's no miscalculations. It runs, it runs smoothly and precisely as it should. Chance is not relevant to any part of creation. It has run precisely as he said for billions of years and it is continuing. One of my favorite Examples of this is over three centuries old. I found it in 1996 when I was studying for a book I was writing on heaven. And as I was pondering that this week, I began to think about this, this example. It speaks to purpose and it, it, it speaks to precision born from complexities. In the town hall in Copenhagen, Denmark, stands the world's most complicated clock. It took 40 years to build it at a cost of millions and millions of dollars in today's money. The clock has 10 faces on it, and it has over 15,000 movable parts. It is accurate to two-fifths of a second every 300 years. It, there, there are parts of that clock that will not move until 25 centuries from right now. What is intriguing to me about this clock is it's not accurate. It's not absolutely precise. It loses two-fifths of a second every 300 years. So, it, so like all clocks, that time piece in, in Copenhagen has to be reset, recalculated, regulated by a more precise clock, the universe itself. It must be regulated by a mighty astronomical clock with its billions of movable parts, not 15,000, billions. From atoms to stars to, to suns uh, to, mo to moons. That mighty astronomical clock rolls on century after century after century with movements so reliable that all time on earth can be measured against it. The accurate precision of the universe declares a God of perfect wisdom, a God of perfect precision, perfect calculations, perfect timing, I mean, our God is awesome. What an architect. I enjoy sometimes watching the specials on TV concerning magnificent places on earth that, that are just, uh, just magnificent or beautiful. And you look and see what our God has done. And you just, you just look at it in wonder. I mean, God took a, a canyon, a grand canyon and dazzles man's mind with it. And it even has its own ecosystem. It even has its own, te uh, uh, its own uh, temperature, it, 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 its weather patterns. What an architect. What, 
brilliance the galaxies shine with. What precise calculations. Moses, who wrote the book of Genesis, is trying to address our creative uh, God's abilities. How did he do all that? Well, we are told he did it with his words, the words of his mouth, Moses says. See, words are so powerful. Decrees, they are so powerful. We are told that there was a day in eternity past when the planning was over. And I have a sense that many of God's plans, it's, it's over. It's time for something else. There was a time when the planning was over. God had planned and he had, he had planned well, perfectly. And then he stood with all authority at his command. And he commanded that it be. And the creative force of his words brought a universe into being. It became visible. The creative power of his words produced the plans of his unerring purposes. Far greater than, than all the generals in front of all the armies that, that you could list. Far beyond all kings, all rulers, all presidents, and all of their authorities combined. Creator God, with the scepter of his mouth, says, be, and it was. It, it, would, it would someday become something that he would gift to his heirs. It would one day, thousands of years later, it would one day be, be something that he would gift to his kingdom ecclesias, an ability to decree. Look with me at the, as the text unfolds. I know you may have read it, but hopefully you're going to see something here. Look at verse 3, Genesis 1-3. And God said... Let there be light, and there was light. Verse 9, and God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together to one place, and let the dry land appear. It was so. Just as Job said, Job's the first book of the Bible, and Moses did write that as well. But Job said, God said to the waters, You can only come this far. You can't come any farther. And that's the way it was still today. Verse 11, and God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. Verse 14, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of, of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs, for seasons, for days and years. And we know that it happened just like he said. Now verse 24 and 25. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures after his kind, cattle, creeping things, and beasts of the earth after, the, after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creeps on the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Now, Look at verse 26 and watch closely what begins to happen. This is, this is one of the greatest revelations the Lord has ever given to me. I would, I would put it in the top 10 at least. Verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That, of course, is called the dominion mandate. I'm giving man authority to govern on the earth. Man will be given authority to make decrees and see them established. That's Job 22, 28. They will decree a thing and it will be established. Holy Spirit will brood over what man decrees. To bring it to pass, to birth it. Now look at chapter 2, verse 7, and let's see an amazing shift that takes place. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Wow. 
that is so incredibly revealing. For the first time in all of time, the creative genius of God changes. Why? Because the universe and the earth itself was mass produced by the words of his power. It was mass produced. In other words, God did not say be for every blade of grass. He didn't say be a trillion, 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 trillion times. No grass was mass produced. It, 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 and it was. It, it became, it, it, it was commanded to be, and it was. The same is true for a billion trillion stars. God said, be, and everything in the universe that exists came into being. But when it was time to create man, God didn't say be. For everything else he created, he commanded it to be, and it was. But when he created man, he did not do it that way. No, for the first time in all of time, God used his hands. Why? Why? Because man would be a hands-on creation. You would be hands-on with God. You would. He would intricately work on, on man with his own hands. Man would not be mass-produced. Would, he would not be a mass-produced project simply commanded to be by the words of his power. No, man would be hands-on work by God Almighty himself. He refused to be. He would not be a distant father making, making commands at you. Just commanding you to be this, be that. Just be what I say. Just do it my way or else. No, you will not be a distant kid that hears me shouting at you. Not going to happen. Blasting you into shape with my commanding voice of power, my commanding voice of authority, intimidating you by my powerful voice raised to shake you into obedience. No, my voice will be used to awaken you to listen for instruction. To, my voice will be used to, to keep you from harm, not harm you. I will not be a distant, intimidating father. I won't do it. I will be a hands-on father, caring, loving, showing, leading, providing. In other words, his fathering touch would shape his kids. His fathering touch would work to bring out the best in us. And we can trust that he can do it if we keep ourselves in his hands. He will bring out the best in us. Man was, was to be hands-on work by a brilliant, uh, a wise, skillful, precise God. You are to be a hands-on heir. That's who you are, a hands-on heir. You were, you were not born to be distant from God. His father's touch was to be constant. His mentorship was to be hands-on, not just commanded to be. The creation account from, from the scriptures state right from the beginning, God relates to man differently than the rest of creation. He relates, 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 relationship. Relationship. He, father, he, wants, he wants a fathering relationship. We're not told that God ever touched the sun. We're not told that he ever touched the moon. 
We're not told that he ever touched a star. We're not even told that he ever touched an angel. But with man, he changed all his creative patterns. The angels watching must have been shocked because they had never seen a member of the Godhead ever do anything even close to this. Amazingly, man, God builds man with his own hands. God, God kneels down in the dirt and he touches man with his own hands and he adds his personal touch to each one. Not one of them is exactly the same. They're like snowflakes. Each personalized with his touch. Every one of them. Each one with a uniqueness that only he could give them, each one of them, with a uniqueness that is personalized by a wise, powerful God. Your destiny, we are told, your destiny was born in his mind. Meaning, he put thought into you. He put thought into how he would personalize you. He put thought into your, your, your uniqueness. And your life can know his touch. You, you can put yourself in his hands. It's so foolish not to. It's actually what the cross actually provides for us. Whoever confesses Jesus as Lord has relationship restored. You're, you're yielding yourself into his hands. You're putting yourself in, into his hands. He can handle it. Trust him. He can do it. Verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image and likeness. Image there is Salim. And it means to shade or to cause or it means literally a shadow. And Salim paints the picture of how God made man. Salim, God stands in the Garden of Eden and he allowed his shadow to fall upon the ground. Then he knelt down and he begins to shape man into the form of his shadow with his hands. Formed. It's the Hebrew word yatsar. And it means to squeeze into shape. Yes, God can put the squeeze on you. But it's a pottery term, a pottery word. It's like what a potter does. A potter squeezes the clay into shape. That's the picture. God squeezed, he squeezed the, the, the clay, the earth, into his own shadow. That's what Psalms 91 is referring to. When you come under the shadow of the Almighty, He begins to shape you. He begins to shape uniqueness into you. He begins to shape you in such a way that you can, you can participate in destiny that is for you. He begins to, to shape you and squeeze you. He, he, he squeezed the clay into His own image and likeness. Likeness is dem youth, and it means to fashion, to resemble, or to sculpture. He sculptured man with his own hands. He sculptured man with his hands into his own image and likeness. He took on the relationship of a potter, and, and he still does as a loving father, touching, shaping, and building man. And then after he did that, that's, that's when, then, then he added the creative force of the universe, his mouth. By placing it over, over that clay image like someone giving CPR. He placed his mouth over the breathing passages of man. That's what the words nostrils refer to. Literally, it means breathing passages. In other words, he gave mouth to mouth to the works of his hands. 
What an awesome picture. What an awesome truth. God breathes into what he's working on. He breathed his breath into the works of his hands. He breathed the breath of life into his personal sculpture. And man became a living soul. And of course, his breath can still make your soul come to life. Sometimes we need resuscitated. I mean, sometimes we collapse in our soul, man, and we need resuscitated. And God knows exactly how to do that. It's one of the things that he does. And fresh life is breathed into you. Most of you probably watched the Bengals game and the Buffalo Bills game a couple of weeks ago when DeMar Hamlin just collapsed. He, he, he actually, his heart stopped. And we were all watching as, as the medics came, the team trainers and doctors ran. And what did they do? For nine minutes, they helped him breathe. They did CPR. They resuscitated him. As the team prayed, as thousands in America, probably millions, prayed, Holy Spirit began to brood over a scene and God began to resuscitate a man in front of our very eyes. He knows how. Perhaps that's you. And you need resuscitated. He knows exactly how to do it. And he promises, I know how to breathe life into you. I know how to cause your soul to live again. Why does the Bible, the opening of the Bible, start like this? It's, it, begs, it begs us to, to look at it. Why does it contrast the difference between all the rest of creation and man? Obviously, to show plainly the relationship difference, God has planned for man. To show that he did not just say be and then expect man to run forever without him like the rest of the universe. Just, just keep ticking and keep going. No. To show how important man must be to God. How, how important he considers man to be. To show how loved man must be to show how special that we are, to show how much God wants to touch our lives, to show he wants to touch you. He doesn't have to be made to, he wants to. He wants to touch your life. He wants to add his personal touches to your life. And he desires, his desire is to never take his hands off. He wants to keep you in his hands. John 10, 28 gives us that promise. God says no one, no one, no one can snatch you out of my hands. I'll never let you go. You can walk away as a prodigal. You're not a slave. You can walk away as a prodigal. You can choose to do it your own way if you want. But again, how foolish. It's foolish to live life without him. It's foolish to sit down to nothingness soup. Sadly, millions sat down yesterday to a bowl of nothingness soup. And they did so the day before and the day before. And today, they will sit down to nothingness soup. God is, is promising from heaven the church is, is here to proclaim the promise. You don't have to live that way. No. Why? Why the hands? Why not just say, be? <laughs> I mean, did it everywhere else. Why did, why the hands? Because hands are often extensions of the heart. The heart longs to touch, but it reaches with hands. Hands impart what is in the heart. 
Again, not to take the illustration too far, but when Damar fell on the, on the turf, no heartbeat. The people or the, the players begin to pray. I couldn't help but notice some of the Bengals players, especially Joe Burrow, the quarterback, going over to, to a couple of members of the Bills team. And he never said a word. He just put his arms around them. He touched them. There was a touch taking place. God wants to touch you and his touch changes everything. Hands. See, hands can hold what the heart desires. Hands can guide. Hands can be caring. Hands can be gentle. Hands can carry. Hands can bring balance and, and bring control. Hands can pull you back up on your feet again. Hands can steady. Hands can shape. Hands can touch. Hands are extensions of the heart. They are extensions of the emotions. We don't often think of God that way, that he is an emotional being, but he is. His emotions, his heart is for his kids, and he wants to reach them. With the rest of creation, God was willing to handle not. He was willing to touch not. But where you and I are concerned, God says, I got to touch them. I got to touch them. I just got to touch them. I've got to hold them. His emotions, his heart demanded, and I, I, I have to hold them. Got to embrace them. They're my kids. It's, it's got to be, God was saying, it's got to be more personal. I don't want to mass produce them. I want my creative signature on every single one of them. I want to hold every single one of them. I, I want to carry and, and steady and give them balance. I want to guide them. I want to shape. I want to sculpt them. I want to keep tweaking the masterpiece all of their lives. I want every single one of them to be kept by my, my hands. And I, who have all power and authority at my command, I choose from the heart of who I am to never let them go. Never. I will, the, I will never let them go. They, they will never be out of my reach. They will never be away from my ability to touch them. I will always be available. I will always be within their reach. Think about that. The God who said be, the creator of it all, says to you and I, the heirs, you and I, the born again ones, you and I, the kids, you will never be out of my reach. Ever. You will always be within my reach. What an amazing, great God we serve. Oh, yeah, we need to ponder that one. What an awesome God. How great he is. There's no one like him. There's no one that compares to him. There's not even an earthly father that can compare. Our great God has you, his heirs, in his hands. I had a great sense of that yesterday and today as I prayed in this. God wants to touch you. And also, our great God has the church, the, the true ecclesia, in his hands. He has America in his hands. Why? Because we put it there. He has awakening in his hands. Prophetic words are in his hands. What did our king say in Matthew 16, 18, and 19? I... I will build my church. I'll do it. I'm not leaving it to man. I'll do it. 
I will, my hands will. I will build a glorious church that will activate my spiritual kingdom's government on the earth. I will do that. I will I will reshape and sculpture your nation as my kids have asked, as my ecclesia has asked. I will mold it back into its covenants. I can, I will answer my children's prayer. You're starting to see it. Please, please know today he's, he's great enough to do everything that he promised his greatness declares there will not fail one word of all he's promised, not one. Trust his greatness. Be confident in his greatness. Declare his greatness. Put your faith in his greatness. Worship him for his greatness. Act like an heir who's been touched by greatness. The master's touch. Because of who God is, because of his greatness, the ecclesia this year is going to rise and it is going to prevail. It will see revival roll from coast to coast and around the, the, the world. It will see the greatness of God in the, in the reaping of a great, great harvest, the greatest in its history. And because of his greatness, the heirs are going to see victories being pulled out of the mud. His greatness declares he can do anything. His greatness declares he can heal anything. His greatness declares he can change anything. His greatness declares he can deliver from anything. He has no limits. We're moving into God-planned times. We're moving into days he planned. We're moving into a, a new day, new times, new era. Supernatural synergy of times are opening up new paths leading to great victories. As Holy Spirit is brooding over the decrees of the saints. Where the saints have declared be to some things. Holy Spirit has been brooding over that to bring miraculous change. Perhaps in your life, you need, to, you need his help to pull you out of the mud. <laughs> Come to the Father. Come to him. And his hands can change things. Some of you are going to find this year that he has pulled you out of some really muddy times. This nation is going to find... He knows how to pull it out of muddy times. Perhaps you have found yourself eating bowl after bowl after bowl of nothingness soup. God doesn't want you eating that. No, he wants to change that for you. Perhaps you've been staring at empty, uh, an empty bottomless pit. Your life is that way. It's just... Bottomless emptiness. He can brood over you and fill that void, that waste place with beauty. Perhaps you find yourself in a dark fog, inky blackness. He knows how to turn darkness into a glorious new day, new, new times. Maybe life for you is just, it lacks shape. It's all out of shape. It's just a shapeless mass of some kind of existence. His hands can bring change. Oh, he can come and if you put it in his hands, he can shape and sculpture and bring precision back into your life. He can put you back in shape. He can reset your times. Some of you here, some of you online, you need your times reset. Just as he can reset a nation, he can reset your life. Maybe, maybe there are some in this room or online watching or will be watching and you just feel dead inside. Something happened and you dropped. Your soul just died. 
and you need resuscitated. God knows how. He's good at it. How great is our God. You're never out of his reach. He knows exactly how to resuscitate. He wants to touch you. He wants to change things. He wants to show you his great love. You're not some mass-produced human being. You're a hands-on heir. You're a hands-on daughter. You're a hands-on son. You're not in the hands of a distant father. No, no way. From the beginning, he declares, I'll never let you go. I'll never let, my, I'll never let go of my kids. There's a magnificent promise, thousands of years old, that is going to be seen available at a brand new level as the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of earth, we begin to see this merge, a magnificent promise available to all the family. When one of the kids fall into the muddy times, and most of them will at some point, he will pull them out. He'll clean them up. He'll re-sculpture and, and, and bring them back into shape, turning their dark night into a new day. That's his promise that is accelerating into our times. Singers and musicians come. <sighs> then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great you stand please those of you that I was talking to and I know I was talking to a lot of different things different ways but if you need his touch I have an overwhelming sense today that father wants to touch you and he can do what nobody else can I'll not go through the list, but I know I was talking to people here and watching. And you can know his touch. Somehow within who you are, with faith, if you have to muster it up, put yourself in the hands of God. If you need that touch and you want prayer, because it's one of the ways he touches. He can touch through prayer. He can touch in an atmosphere of worship. He can touch through a message. If you need that touch today in, in some way that, that you want prayer about as we sing and as we worship, would you come to the altars? We'll pray for you. Even if you need resuscitated, I believe God can breathe new life into you. He knows how. He says, it's all out of shape. Well, put it back together. Say, here I am. Squeeze me back into shape, God. I, I want to come under the shadow of the Almighty. Will you put me back together? Those of you that are watching online, you couldn't come to the altar, obviously. But Father's care is extended to you. Receive as I pray. Father, touch sons, daughters all over this earth. Touch them in other countries that need lives to be reshaped and touch those that 
that need your resuscitating breath. Touch them, Lord. Hold those that need held. Embrace them around this nation. May they feel the loving touch of a great, awesome Father. May they understand that wherever they may be, whatever state they're in, whatever nation they're in, they are within your reach. You can reach and touch them today. Touch them. Touch them. Heal them. Deliver them. Pull them out of the mud. And give them great victories. This is the year for victories to come out of the mud. Hallelujah. Those that may have been trying to do it on their own, maybe they're prodigals, maybe they've never put themselves in your hands. May your loving greatness shine so today that, that they do reach to you. I'm not going to do it my way. I need, I need you to touch me. I need you to help me. I need you to... I need you to reshape my heart. I need, I need your destiny. Mine's not working. I need you to feed me, to lead me beside still waters. I need you to restore my soul. I need you to prepare a table before me. I'm tired of eating nothingness soup. You, you invite me to your table. Father, I, I come. Restore them. Heal them. May rebirths happen as those all around this planet may confess you as Lord. Today, thank you that we are in your hands. What a privilege. What an honor. Help us to understand that at levels we've never seen before. And may this year we walk as heirs, knowing the touch of our Father. We love you, Lord. We thank you that you are here now. You're listening. Turn dark nights into new morning all over this planet in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory, all the honor. Take this message, use it how you want. Stir it within us. May we exemplify those that know the touch of our great God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, be blessed and uh, remember to start your fasting. Remember to go online and decree with us. Talk to you more Wednesday night. Bless you.